we wrap this series up, but who remembers using a paper map? Raise your hand if you remember using. Anybody online, you watching? Come on, did you ever use a paper map? So this paper map says official Missouri highway map from 1995 and 96. I got my license in 96, so I wouldn't have needed it in 95, but in 96, got my license. So, uh, so here's the fun part, all right? Who wants to, who wants to participate? Who wants to, who wants to come up and help me out? Anybody? All right, brother Kevin, come on up. Okay. Open this bad boy up. Here we go. Open that bad boy up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Now, okay, so you got, got this open. All right. What side are we on? What, what do we got? What do we got? What is this? Okay. <laughs> what do we got on the back? Uh, Kansas City and Gulfport out in the rear. Okay. So you got the metro areas, it looks like? Okay, well, let's go back to the, to the whole map, all right? Now, can you find me Liberty on there? All right. Let's see, are you right? You're Excelsior Springs. Yeah, you're in the right area. Yep, yep, there's, there it is, okay? And so now, if you wanted to get to uh, Branson, what, uh, what highway would we take on that? South. So if we wanted to come down here to Branson, you know who would you know who could you know who probably could go like this and follow take Brother Jim. Brother Jim's Brother Jim would go like this. He'd say, Here's Branson right here. How you? <laughs> okay, so we got Springfield down here. Republic. Okay, got Branson and Hollister's right down here. And what's the difference between the yellow lines, the red lines, and the black lines? We got the legend down here. And uh, it's not shed much light. <laughs> you know, you think this is the challenging part. All right? Do me a favor. Fold the map back up. Who here likes their chances that they could walk up here and fold this map up instantaneously? Come on, Brother Rich, show us. Here, here, open it back up for him. Okay. Have you used paper maps a lot? See, he's confident. I, lo I like the air of confidence he brings up. Anybody else that confident that they could do that? <laughs> Sister Alice, I just got to see if anybody else can do it like that. Come on, Sister Alice. I'm very impressed because there ain't no chance that I'd be able to do this. I mean, I, I mean after time, I could, you can teach an old dog new trick. Was she faster than you or no? 
Your wife is saying, yeah, but I don't know. Well done, well done. I should have had two maps, and then we could have had our true race. That would have been fun. You know, people sometimes complain about distracted drivers. Any, any, are you, have you ever complained about a distracted driver? Have you ever been the distracted driver? You ever heard somebody complain about a distracted I, I hear this. But I think back to when I was younger. I'm still young, but younger. And I can't really complain. So my first two cars, the radio didn't work. I had an 89 Camaro, five-speed stick shift, okay? So 1989 Chevy Camaro. Right, Noah? Come on, give me a shout-out, a round of applause, something. Um, Chevy Camaro, and it's a five-speed, which I was talking to a group of young people recently, asking them about a five-speed, and, and most kids don't even have a clue what that is. Not, not, not I can't drive it, but I actually don't even know what it is. And I'm like, what in the world? So I had a five-speed Chevy Camaro, and the radio didn't work, so I got me a high-end not the cheap one, high-end, anti-skip CD player. <laughs> Anybody have the anti-skip CD player? Come on now, this, this is good stuff. This is not the cheap, this is the high-end stuff. And so then I would plug two traveling speakers into my anti-skip CD player. So basically, I would drive my Camaro. I'd drive my Camaro, and right here next to my seatbelt was one traveling speaker, Next to the seatbelt on the other side of the middle console was a, another speaker. And my CD player would sit right here, kind of over the cup holders. And so I would drive, and I would take my music and, pl and plug it in. Because the deck didn't work, but the speakers did. So I, or I mean, uh, none of it worked. So I played it through the speakers here. And so I had a little, my little volume control. And then I'd want to switch the CD. So while I was driving stick shift, I'd lean over into the floorboard. <laughs> of the passenger seat and grab me my CD booklet and I'd flip the pages looking for my CD and I'd go like this and I'd drive and then stick shift and I'd pop that out, switch out the CD player and I'm too organized to throw it in the thing so I'd have to flip and find it and put it back in, get the new one out, put it in, press play, keep driving and then when I was on a road trip, I had to, because I never used those maps, I had Google Maps at that point. And so I printed off my Google Maps. So on this part of my lap was my Google Maps. So I'm driving, grabbing my CD, driving stick shift, and looking down at my Google, Google Maps. It's amazing I'm still alive. <laughs> and so every time I'm like, that person needs to get off their phone, I need to stop and go, hold it. I don't think them on their phone on their worst day, probably as, as bad as what I was, driving five-speed stick shift, Changing my CD player and looking at my Google Maps printed off on my left eye. Okay. Then they came up with GPS in cars, and that was pretty awesome. But then you had to switch out the CD yearly if you wanted to keep your, but nobody does that. You know, you're just kind of like, eh, I'll keep it for about 10 years until it's like, take the over, you know, and you're like, what? There's not even one. Or it says, take the country highway for 12 miles. And you're like, why didn't I just take that interstate right there? Well, that, that wasn't there eight years ago. And so then you had to redo the, the DVD, the maps, that often are stored like in a different place in your car. Then they came up with Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, and now it's just awesome because you get real-time traffic updates, and you can mirror what's on your phone right to your screen. It's, it's awesome. It's absolutely wonderful. And sometimes technology is amazing. Think about if we could have a map quest for life, though. 
okay? Imagine what that would look like. Starting location. Single with several bad habits. <laughs> Ending location. Happily married. And then it's just like, in point four miles, ahead take the motorway. Ahead take the roundabout. I love the, I tell Brother Keith this, his dad's accent's amazing. I purposely, when I had the Garmin, I chose the British accent. I don't want to hear somebody talk to me like me. I want to hear somebody go, ahead, take the motorway. Take the roundabout. I'm like, that's awesome. I kind of enjoy it. I wanted to get lost just to hear them talk more. But imagine that, you know, you're, it's, it's a single, bad habits. Ahead, 0.4 miles, brush your teeth and floss and you know it just kind of lays everything out for you starting location school loans credit card debt no budget ending location debt free with money to burn starting location two lazy and out of control kids ending location two pre-med students with full ride scholarships that'd be nice you know he's just like i just plugged it in how do you how do you parent it's very easy you just grab the app and you type it in and it tells you all the steps how to get there be nice. You just speak that into your GPS and it rattles off the exact steps you're supposed to take. Well, it's amazing how quick we can take directions for someone from someone who's never actually traveled down the road that we're on. You know? Imagine taking directions from someone on, hey, how do you how do you get from here? You know, you just walk up to somebody on the street, you know, you're over there grabbing Panera and tea, shopping at TJ Maxx, and you're like, I'm gonna head off to Atlanta. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Atlantic City. I'm going to go head out, okay? You just look at somebody and say, hey, how do I get there? They're like, you know what? You just got to jump on the freeway. You're going to head down 35, jump over there, and you say, okay, well, when's the last time you were to, to Atlanta? They say, oh, I've never been there. Well, have you driven to Atlanta? No, I've never driven to Atlanta. Why am I taking my directions from you? You ain't never driven this path one time. I'm not going to have you tell me where to go. But yet we do that every day in life. Friends are great for friendship. You got a friend? You got a friend? Anybody got a friend? Three of you have friends. <laughs> Our new series next week is going to have to be on how to be friendly. I'll just, I'll wrap it up right here. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So if you ain't got friends, it might be your fault. Friends are not always so great for advice. They're great for friendship. But who do you go to when you want advice? Your friends. And often it's the advice of our friends that gets us into trouble. I can think of a time or two where my friend in high school gave me some advice. Man, it stunk. One offended person talks to another offended person about their offense and looks for advice. You see where this is going? You're offended, so am I. How do you handle it? What? There's such a thing as herd assumption. Herd assumption happens when we assume that since everyone is doing something a certain way, that must be the right way to do it. Well, she does it like that, so I'm, this is the way it's working for her. I'm going to do it like that. If everyone is driving two leased vehicles, then we should drive two leased vehicles too. If everyone's sleeping with people out of wedlock, it must not be that bad of a thing. 
If everyone works 70 hours a week and doesn't spend time with spouse and family, that's the way to climb the corporate ladder. I think I'm going to do it too. And we just kind of watch at what's going on, and we just like, well, that must be what works, so I'm going to do that. But that doesn't mean it's the right way to do things. The problem, of course, is that everyone is headed for a, a similar destination. No one yet has arrived. So I'm asking my friends their advice on things. They're great friends for me, but they haven't arrived to where I'm trying to get to. So I'm asking them advice about places they've never been. I remember when people, we had kids and we're trying to figure the kids thing out. And by the way, we still have not figured the kid thing out. I always say that, like, that is the greatest compliment God gave me when he gave me children and said, you get to mold and shape these little human souls, and there's going to be a place they spend eternity, and you're going to have a lot to do with it. Oh, my goodness. Whew. And some days I'm going to bed like, yes, I am, I am a rock star dad. And other times I go to bed, and I'm like, I'm horrible at this. Like, Lord, thank you for grace. You know? I mean, I still ain't figured it out, but, but I remember when we had kids, and a lot of Single adults without kids would tell me how they would parent. It's like me telling you how to make millions. Well, I've never done that. So I can't really tell you that. I can share some theories. Bless God, if I had kids, I'd never. How many kids do you have? None? Interesting. It feels safe. Well, everyone can't be doing it wrong, can they? Will? By the time it becomes obvious that each of those directions leads to an undesirable destination, it's, it's usually too late to do something about it. All of us take our cues from someone. Now, I know you and me, we, even us here watching online, you take your cues from someone. Right now, at this very moment, you're financial, relational, moral, spiritual, professional. Your decisions in those areas are impacted and perhaps dictated by patterns or paths of other people. Now, by that, I don't mean decisions regarding daily details of your life. I'm referring to general patterns that you're following. And since this may be the case where we would... We'd, it'd be good for us to just stop and reflect and go, okay, where did I get my life maps to begin with? You see, did we consciously choose our life map? Did we inherit that way of thinking from our parents, which sometimes our parents taught us some amazing, incredible things that will lead us down amazing paths, and sometimes our parents taught us a thing or two that we're like, you know, that might not be the best way. Have we sought the advice of someone older, wiser, more experienced than us? One of the most crucial decisions we will make is the decision regarding whose map are we going to follow. Some of you might argue with me right now and go, I ain't following anyone's map. I'm my own person. I blaze my own trail. Well... Maybe you're following the map of the people in the world who consider themselves unconventional individualists. And believe me, there are lots of those people, which means they are not that individual or unconventional, but don't tell them that because they won't be happy. 
So allow me to move forward with my premise. We all take our cues from someone, from somewhere, whether consciously or subconsciously. With this being the case, we would do well to be a little bit more intentional about who we're borrowing from. Whose map are we following? Where, where did it take them? Where are they headed? How far down the road are they? I want to take a look. And so that's why for me, you know, when we read the book on Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, I said, man, this guy saw this side. He went all the way down to this side. Now he's back on this side. He seems like he knows a couple of good things about finances. So I look at where he is and say, that's the, I, th I think I can glean some wisdom from him. Here's something I've observed about successful people. Successful people, people who are where we may want to be, they're willing to acknowledge what they don't know. They're not too proud to borrow from the maps of people who may know more than they know. See, I'm afraid to follow someone who will, who will not acknowledge what they don't know. You ever have a contractor come into your house and you're like, yeah, I got a question. They're like, yeah, I've done that. I've done this. I've done it all. I can do anything. You just have me do it. I'll take care of the whole thing. And I'm like, you know, there's no way that one person is an expert on roofing, electrical, plumbing, tile, carpet, framing, demo. Like, you might know a little bit about all those things. But there's no way that you're an expert in all of those areas. And so to me, I respect when I come and I say, hey, what about this? And then I got another project over here. And they say, you know what? That is not my area of expertise. You probably want to call someone else on that. I go, now I actually want to hire you probably for this other job because I respect when someone's willing to tell me what they don't know. We sometimes perceive successful people as individuals who have all the answers and they don't need anyone to tell them what to do. So we assume that's how they got to where they are, and that is not the case. While it's true, some successful people, they sometimes quit listening, but that's not how they got to where they are today. Successful people are often credited with being smart, and many of them are. But most successful people will not attribute their success to their IQ. They attribute it to the collective wisdom and opportunity garnered and gained from others. Successful people are not successful because they knew everything they needed to know, but they're successful because they were willing to apply the lessons they learned from other people. One of the best things we can do is reject the notion that pe well, because people expect you to have answers, then you should always pretend like you do. And this happens in the realm of the spiritual, of church. Because you'll go teach a Bible study and someone will say, well, let me ask you a question. Why would a good God allow my grandma to die of cancer when she prayed to be healed? And why would God let that happen? You tell me. And you're going, uh, well, God could save her in, from this. And if you look at scripture and, and you just start tripping over words and people are like, you'd be better off to look and say, I wish I knew. I don't know all the ways God does things and why he does it. I hate that your grandma's dying of cancer. If I was God, I probably would just heal her. I don't know why he does what he does, and I'm sorry that you're going through that. You'd be better off to say that. My dad always taught me in Bible studies, Gary, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Because 
when people say to you, oh, you're going to answer all my, I, today I was at a place and a, and a girl saw that we had our Facebook ad on and she said to me, oh, wow, you pastored the church. I said, yeah. She goes, great. Now you can all answer all my Bible questions. And I just laughed and said, well, I'll certainly do my best and try my hardest. But I know that I can't answer everybody's questions about the Bible. I can certainly try. And when someone asks a really good one, I'll, I'll look at them and say, that's an awesome question. Let me take some time to dive into that. And then I will get back to you. And then you better get back to them. Because that looks horrible. I can tell you how many times I taught a Bible study. And it forced me to go back and study and get into a topic. And then come back and say, hey, regarding your question last week, let's talk about that. Don't be afraid to say, I'm really not sure. I don't know. But try to find the answer. And you know where you'll find the answer a lot of times? It's someone who's walked this way a while, who's wiser, a little bit further down the path. Say, hey, have you ever ran into something like this? See, being a parent does not mean that you know how to be a great parent. Being a husband or a wife doesn't mean, hey, when the minister said, I now pronounce you husband and wife, now you are absolutely rocking being a husband or wife. You just started down a journey that you're going to find, you know, I'd mess up a little bit trying to do these things. Being placed in a leadership position doesn't mean you're a great leader. Positions don't equal ability. This is why we must try to get connected with and the maps of people who have traveled this way. That's why God tells us about discipleship. That's why he says young women, or women, elders teach the younger women. That's why it talks about lay hands on no man suddenly. That's why we see anybody who is great of God, that God would say, hey, go to his house and learn from him. And then look, guess what? When you reach a certain point, you need to look backward and start making another disciple as you're being discipled. That's the way the New Testament church was built. And so the minute that I start, you know, I'm trying to glean from people, and I start trying to make disciples, and then I just say, you know what? I pretty much don't need any more help. I'll just look backwards. Now I'm in trouble. Guess how many, I look at myself, right? And I, I've made jokes about this in the past. Guess how many church construction projects I've overseen? This one don't even count yet. It hasn't started. Guess how many years of law school I have under my belt? Guess how much accounting experience I have. And here I am, the lead pastor of a church who needs to protect themselves legally, who has a growing financial base, and who's entering into a construction project. And I'm supposed to be at the helm and make sure it all goes well. I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. I still don't some days, but I really didn't have a clue a couple years ago. So I started researching. Touring churches, making phone calls. We hired one of the best church accountants in the entire country. We hired financial and construction consultants. We hired a real estate attorney to help us with our shared space agreement, the sale of the church, and the land that we purchased. There's a cost to all of that. But the board looked at it like this is an investment we can't skip because we don't have the expertise in these areas and so we want to surround ourselves with the best. And for us, we look and say, wow, it's really paying off because we're in a really good spot. 
all across the board. We have excellent architects and construction managers and all of this, and we're protected legally, and everything is going so well. Not to say we won't have a hiccup along the way, but if we do, we're not going to try to figure it out by ourselves. We're going to call someone who's walked this road before. I want us to be successful. And I know that I, by myself, in this brain, don't have enough to do it by myself. And the board feels the same way. And I don't want us to pretend like we, we're, we're just smarter than we really are. Nothing worse. People read through that when you try to act smarter than you really are. Just be who you are. And if you have a strength, let it shine. If you, have a, if you don't know something, just say, man, that's a good question. I don't know. As we talked about at various points in this series, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. People came from far and wide to sit at his feet to learn from him. They brought him disputes. They asked for guidance, for his opinion, for his wisdom. Others came just to hear him speak. And check out some of the things Solomon said. In Proverbs 1.5, he says, Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Guess who makes the choice as to whether or not you will receive guidance? You do. No one else. No one else. Every, every Wednesday, I'm going to try and teach us all something from the word that we can all receive guidance. The guidance is, is, is being put forth. But whether or not we receive the guidance, it's just up to us. No one else. 12.15, he says, fools think their own way is right. But the wise listen to others. Huh. Then in 13.10, he says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. He's kind of, you seeing a theme here? 19.20 says, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. It's a lot of wisdom in that wisdom. But the thing is, is for me to receive the instruction of someone else, I either have to open the door, ask. I have to put myself in places where I can glean from wise people. It takes time to read a book. It takes, when, when people say, I'm not a reader. And I know some of you have said that. I don't mean that. So many people have said that. This is not an indictment against one person. But you better figure out a way to ingest some wisdom. If it's not reading, podcast, something where we're not just staying who we are from here to eternity. I want, to, I want to get myself at the feet of some people, including Jesus and others, that I say, they walk this road. I got to figure out a way how to glean some wisdom in parenting and, and finances and leadership and speaking and, and all these different areas. I, I want to try to, to get better than where I am right now. Straightforward advice. Wise people listen to wise people and prosper. Fools say, I don't need anyone. Foolish say, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And they, and they won't. And you will sit there with the same amount of wisdom that you have today. According to Solomon, no one ever gets to the place where he or she is smart enough that they don't need any outside opinion, experience, advice, or wisdom. Coincidentally, this subject may be the best illustrated by an event that took place really in his own life, in the life of Solomon's own son, a man named King Rehoboam. Solomon had died, and the assumptions among the people of Israel were the son, his son, Rehoboam, would be crowned king. 
When he showed up in Shechem to be crowned, he was approached by a fellow named Jeroboam. Jeroboam had been appointed by a group of disgruntled people to uh, go to the new king on their behalf, be a spokesperson for them. In 1 Kings 12, 4, it records this. He says, hey, your father was a hard master. Lighten, harsh labor demands and heavy taxes and your father, that your father imposed on us, and, and then we will be your loyal subjects. Solomon's aggressive building campaign had placed a heavy burden on the average citizen, especially in that part of the country. Taxes were high. People had been forced to work like slaves. The workload made it almost impossible for them to tend to their own land and herds. And with the passing of King Solomon, they were hoping for a reprieve from the endless construction. I promise ours won't be endless. I promise. Either that or if one of my kids ever become past, we can ask them to lighten the load. But I'm, I'm kidding. It won't be endless. So they promised their son. Uh, they, they promised his son their devotion if, if he could just show them mercy. After hearing the request, Rehoboam made two very smart decisions. Number one, he asked for time to, deci to decide what to do. That's smart. Give me a minute. Let me think about this. I'll get back to you. Number two, he decided to seek assistance and counsel before he decided what to do. Two very wise things. Rehoboam went to a group of his father's counselors for advice. These were men who had the perspective that only years and experience could provide. They had seen changes take place in Israel during the reign of Solomon. They had context for the complaints of the people. And verse 7 records it. It says, the older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. Wise. But apparently Rehoboam wasn't looking for just good advice. He was looking for affirmation. He wanted to be looked at favorably among the next generation, his peers. So verse 8, Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. Can you tell me how to get to Atlanta even though you've never been there? Guys, I know you don't have kids, but can you tell me how to parent? Guys, I know you're up to your eyeballs in credit card debt, but can you tell me how to run a good budget? You see what I'm saying? That you're going, eh. Okay. He turned to a group of people who were no further down the path than he was, and they stroked his ego and told him exactly what he wanted to hear. Verse 10, the young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a light burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips. I'm going to beat you with scorpions. At what point do you go, dude, that sounds good. Good, that's good stuff right there. But as hard as we're laughing about that, sometimes if we could just like detach ourselves and watch like out-of-body experience, like watch ourselves have a conversation with our friends as they give us advice, 
we probably sometimes do the same thing. What? No, you, there ain't no way you're going to do that. And you'd watch yourself turn and go, I just took that person's advice. Oh, my goodness. Because we've done it. We went to people that are no further down the path than we are. And they gave us advice. You ever, I mean, you, you've, you've been offended sometimes. You go, did you see, she went up to me. Did you see him walk? And, and then they say, I know, man. You know, I, I, I walk right up and say this. And you're like, you're right. I'm going to go. <laughs> like, no, that's probably not the wisest way to handle that. Well, she even agreed with me. I asked him, and he even, he, even my body, even my two buddies, I went and asked him. Both of them said the same thing. So that must mean it's wise, right? Probably not. Leadership lesson that we can all glean from. Don't try to beat people into submission. Don't try to emphasize your authority. The minute you have to say... Well, you know that scripture says that wives submit yourselves to your husbands. The minute you have to discuss that scripture in your home, you already done have some problems. That scripture should never have to be discussed in your home. Because if you love your wife like Christ loved the church, she wants to submit to your leadership. Same thing in, in churches, leadership, organizational structure. You are now the boss. You are now... Hey, folks, I just wanted you to, I'm the new, the minute you have to tell people you're the boss, you're probably not the boss. Not at home, not at church, not in the organizational structure. But when time shows that, hey, I've earned your trust, I want to listen to you. I want to, I want to, I, I, I love and appreciate you and what you bring to the team, to the company, to the church, to the family. Then people want to follow you. So he followed the advice of his younger peers, and he chose a path, not just a path for himself, but for an entire nation, a path he could not foresee, but guess what? Someone could. Some elder, wise counselors who had walked this road for quite a while. And that's why sometimes I know I, I, I stepped into this role as a 28-year-old, and I'm 41. By most standards, I'm probably still considered young. And there are a number of people who uh, are young. This, this church has a lot of young families. Even some of those younger families are in leadership. And I know that sometimes as an older person, you define that however you want. <laughs> you might say, well, this is a young church. They don't need me here. That is absolute trash. We desperately need the voice and example and leadership of elders. Elders, absolutely. <laughs> elders who are, you know what, I've walked this way. I know this sounds like a good idea, but let me caution you. Let me say this to you. Let me talk about something that I've seen in my life. And sometimes when you're young and foolish, you go, here we go, got to listen to old tales of yesteryear. No, 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 no. That is a wise man or woman that is beginning to share insight about what they've seen happen in their life. And we would be wise. We would be wise 
to say, can you just tell me a little bit more about what, what were the situations surrounding that when that happened? And try to just glean a little bit of knowledge. Yes, Lord. I think about it, you know, we, sometimes we take elders for granted until they're not there. And then we go, man, I wish I'd have asked them. Oh, I wish I'd have. You see, after hearing his decision, the majority of Israel rejected him as their king. And they threw their support behind the spokesperson they sent in, Jeroboam. Eventually, they elected Jeroboam as their king, and the two sides went to war. The nation was divided. Brother killed brother, all because a, a king refused to listen to the advice of people who were further down the road than he was. A whole nation suffered. There are many lessons that can be learned from the plight of young King Rehoboam. But perhaps the most important takeaway is this. It's next to impossible. Please hear me. I'm almost done. It's next to impossible to hear the voice of wisdom if we are not really listening for it to be given. Because I think we all know when we've been there before, Oh, I called him. Hey, here's what I'm going through. And I... Okay. Hey, here's what I'm going through. All right. Hey, here's what I'm going through. You know what we're looking for? Somebody to affirm what we're saying and feeling. And when somebody tells us what we don't want to hear, we just call the next person. Or we just say, that's a problem with them, that's a problem with them, that's the problem with the church, that's a problem with leadership, that's a problem with my friends, that's a problem with my family. Nobody understands me. The best counsel in the world is wasted if our minds are already made up. It's crucial advice right there. Because we can talk about all the elders and the wisdom and the path and the, and the, the path and the maps and all this stuff. But when somebody hands me a map and says, this will take you where you need to go, I promise you, I've used it so many times. And we're like, okay, thanks a lot. And we walk away and we're like, I, already, I, I was already planning on jumping on 44. I, in our minds, we often already have decided what path we're on. And for people in this day and age, yes, even Christians, they're just asking around until they find someone who tells them what they want to hear. Maybe this is what the Bible means when it says in the last days people will have itching ears, you know, just. Why is it that something so obvious can be so difficult? I mean, like, we sit here and hear the story of Jeroboam, and I'll tell you what you should say. My, my finger, my pinky's as big as my father's waist. You think you were beat last time, I'm going to beat you worse. You're reading this going, no one watching online, no one in this room is like, that's good advice. Nobody. I'm saying kind of like when we talked about Solomon, it's like, I watched the guy and a young man walk down the road to the lady's house, and he's like, and you're, you're reading this story going, no, nobody's that dumb. You read the story of Samson, you're like, there ain't, there ain't no way anybody that stupid. 
But we do it all the time. Why is something so easy and so obvious? Why is it so difficult? Why would we hesitate to seek counsel? Why would we hesitate to embrace it once we've received it? Well, perhaps it's the same reason men never want to stop and ask for direction. Why is that? We make jokes about that, like, but like, why? Is it just the pride of like, I don't need nobody to tell me what to do. For me, I'm not, a, I don't, that's not a pride thing. For me, if I don't want to stop it, it's because I don't want to get off the freeway, go to the thing, stop my car, then my kids are going to get out, ask to use the restroom, buy $13 worth of snacks each at a gas station. So I'm like, I, I, I like my chances. I think I'm going to just try and figure it out. But it takes time to stop and ask. And we crack jokes about what I just said about the road trip. But when you're going about your day and you're working a full-time job and you're volunteering, you got kids and events and sporting events, to try to make time to go spend time with an elder or somebody further down the line, that takes some time. And so we can justify not spending time with the elder, not listening, not making the phone call and just say, I'll just see if I can figure it out myself. takes humility to stop and say, I'm, uh, I'm struggling a little bit with parenting, and I'm, I'm not really sure what to do. What, what, what did you do with your kids? Or maybe we're enjoying what we're doing, and we just honestly prefer not to have anyone get in our business and tell us otherwise. Like, yeah, this path probably isn't good, but man, I'm having a good time on it. And if somebody tells me, then, then I'm forced to, like, address it, and I would just pretend it's not there. Like, is this too real? It's real stuff. Pride is hard to see in the bathroom mirror. But it's really easy to see in the rear view mirror. You may label it differently. Well, I'm just high strung. I'm independent. I'm type A. But regardless of how you camouflage it, pride is playing a role. And as we bring this series to a close, I want to leave you with a few things that will prayerfully help you in your principle, the principle of your path. First, no one gets to the place where he or she no longer needs wise counsel never happens. No one ever serves God long enough, gets old enough, that wise enough that you say, you know what? I, I just don't need it anymore. To live, live as if you don't need it is to deceive yourself. The older we get, the higher the stakes are for many of our decisions. You know, I, sometimes I will talk to my little awesome daughter who I love, and you, you guys have been there. Sometimes they will bring you something, and you're like, and it rocks their world. And as an adult, you're like, and you don't want, you can't, you can't belittle someone. I don't care if they're 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, 15. That's real stuff. So you got to listen. But you know in your head, the problems get a lot bigger in about 10, 20 years here. <laughs> but God knows what we need because he prepares us on how we deal with the smaller thing. And to them, that's huge. 
but eventually it's going to be something bigger, kind of like even right now. We're all in this. Okay, if I started talking about what I, my, my, my recent problems, some of you would go, I feel so horrible for you. I can't believe you're going through that. And others of you are like, you think that's a problem. You ought to hear what I've been going through. It still happens, even among us adults. So we, we deal with these different things, and everybody deals with things differently, and, and we're dealing with situations, but, but really, the, the older we get, the higher the stakes. We're not talking about whether we're, or not we're buying two packs of bubble gum or one. We're talking about what house we're buying, who we're marrying, if we should have kids or not. That's huge. Solomon's story ends tragically, like we talked about last week. Being the wisest man in the world did not shelter him from making unwise decisions. He didn't take his own advice. And apparently no one was in a position to offer him any. Imagine that. Everybody traveled from all over the place, sat at his feet. This man probably walked and everywhere he walked, there's King Solomon. People are whispering. And every time that man spoke, the room probably just shut down. Shh, 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 shh. I'm going to use the restroom. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what he said, people were just like, what? he's going to speak. He's the wisest man ever lived. But I wonder if somewhere he no longer had someone to speak into his life. Because if he did, someone would have said, Solomon, you're being a knucklehead. And you're on it, like I said last week, you are on thin ice. And you better snap out of it, man. We never outgrow the need for objectivity. An, an outsider can bring success, age, wealth, power. Doesn't, doesn't translate necessarily into wisdom, self-control, and maturity. Second thing, you will never reach your full potential without tapping into the wisdom of others. You know what you know, and that's all you know. I know what I know, and that's all I know. You've experienced what you've experienced, and that's all you've experienced. Those are two, these are limitations that set you up for poor decision-making in areas outside the realm of your knowledge and experience. That's why we got to learn from those who are ahead of us in these limitations. This is why Olympic athletes, PGA golf pros, NBA players... They all have coaches. Tell me, why in the world one of the greatest golfers, in all, even Tiger Woods, greatest golfers in all the world, they have swing coaches. They could coach every one of us up on how to swing a golf club. They are the best in the world. But they have swing coaches. Why does a professional golfer need a swing coach? Like, I, I'm sitting here, I wouldn't even feel right, Tiger. You're, you're, you're putting a little bit of weight on your right foot. You want to probably keep it more toward your left. Have you checked your grip, Tiger? Tiger, it looks like your, your knuckle's turning over a little bit. Like, I'd feel like a moron telling him that. But they have swing coaches because sometimes things still creep into the swing that an outsider will pinpoint and help correct. Understand that application. You might be just going along, but sometimes 
Just ever so, do you know in golf, if you do this versus if you do this, what did I do different? All I did, my first time, my right elbow came out away from my body. My second time, my right elbow stayed in my body. I mean, you're talking about a, it doesn't look like much, but this is a massive change in where your golf ball ends up on the court, or if you'll find it. And then you really want to mess with it, play softball and golf at the same time. That'll really mess you up. But what's in your swing right now that if you would let them, an outside set of eyes with more experience and wisdom might be able to help you with? What's currently in your swing that you're like, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. But if somebody would just watch, all right, I, I see something, let's try this. You all need a swing coach. As I close tonight and close out this series, who are the influencers in your life? Who have you given permission to where they can speak into your life? They have a green light to walk up to you and say, like Nathan did with David, you are the man. You are wrong. You got to repent. Get back on the right path. You're on thin ice. You're not making good decisions. Who's that person? Something got into your spirit and you need to guard it. If there's no one telling you you are in an unbelievably dangerous spot, I don't care who you are, how long you've served God, how long, how wise you are, how old you are, how, it doesn't matter. If there is nobody, you are in a dangerous spot. There needs to be someone in every one of our lives with what I would call veto power that says, that's not a good idea. And then you say, okay, well, I'm not going to do it even, even if I want to. I don't give anybody that kind of power. It's your choice. It's your path. But for me, my pastor, if he picks up the phone and says, Gary, I'm telling you, that's not wise. That's not smart. I wouldn't do that. I might say, well, here's what I was thinking why I did that. I've done it before. Well, no, no, no. I'm, but I'm telling you, that is not the wise thing to do. I promise you, I will not do it. And I can, if I had more time, I could tell you stories about times I didn't do something that I did want to do that I thought he was wrong in. God has protected me. Who has a voice in your life? Is it parents, peers, family, business associates? Are people, all these people further down the path than you are? Do they have wisdom and experience that you don't have? If you're, if you're dealing with bitterness, don't talk to a person that's bitter. trying to get out of debt, don't talk to a person that's up to their eyeballs in debt. Because they'll just tell you, it's not a big deal, debt's part of life. No, that didn't help me. I want to have somebody help me that has gotten out and, and say, hey, what are some of the things you've done? 
there's a principle to the path, and we're all on a path right now. We're on a moral path, a financial path, a ministerial path, a spiritual path, a relational path. We're all on a path. Where is it heading? Where's it heading? Where's it going? Who's giving you guidance on how to get there? And is it time for a change? I'm telling you, changing the path is, we said this in week one, it's really tough. It's hard. I'm not going to say, yeah, that's, you, you just turn around, just go a different way. Come on, guys, what's wrong with you? Just go a different way. No, sometimes it's super hard to go a different way. Changing spending habits or eating habits or exercise habits, prayer habits. This is hard stuff. But it's not too late. We can say, no, I'm so sick of living this way. Sick and tired of being addicted to that or struggling with that or letting that person run my life or constantly carrying bitterness and hatred and anger. I'm sick of feeling unhealthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. I'm going to do something about it. But if we don't do something about it, you'll blink a couple times and it'll be next year, 2023. You'll be saying, I remember he taught it. It was a series on the path, but it was good. Just never did anything with it. But you are empowered tonight to change your path if it needs changing. And if you're on the right path, then keep going and be intentional. Otherwise, you wake up like Solomon. You say, man, I did so well for so long and lost it at the end. I want to be that. So, folks, a lot of different topics, but you're the only one that knows your path, where you're at, where you're headed, who's speaking to you, what maps you're following. You're the only one. So I invite you to find a place to pray as we wrap up this series. Just find a place to talk to God about your personal path. Where's your struggles? Where's the victories? Where do you got to continue and be intentional? Where do you need to make a change? And let God speak to you. And then be willing to do something about it.